you started your second term as governor and the first one, the first term was marked in large part by COVID. What do you envision for your second term? <laughs> Not COVID. Not COVID. I think all of us could agree in, with in, that. Anything but COVID. No, I mean, we're going to implement, you know, the, we propose the legislature passes laws and appropriates money, and then we have to execute. And, you know, particularly our investments in education, whether it's what we did before in literacy or what we're doing now in competitive teacher pay and, and launch in particular, uh, you know, launch is literally, you know, there's some sideboards on it, but the Workforce Development Council is going to have to be attuned to students and employers about what they want. We, we believe it will be fully subscribed because, you know, if you need more nurses or you need more welders or you need more, it'll take us a little while for either our community colleges or private institutions to build capacity. But, you know, the, the bait is there, the, the money's there. And, you know, a lot of kids that wouldn't have had a chance to go on are now literally going to be able to walk out of high school, sign up for a program, and in two years they'll be available, whether it's down at the lab at Idaho Falls, uh, where they need 500 new people a year, whether it's construction jobs here in the Treasure Valley, whether it's, uh, you know, advanced manufacturing uh, jobs here, or, you know, Lewiston's a good example. There's lots of great jobs there, but they they got to be good welders. They got to work for uh, uh, Schweitzer Engineering. So, you know, it'll 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 be a game changer, I believe. So, how involved do you see yourself being with those workforce count workforce development council recommendations on what's an in demand career? Well, they the workforce development council and the legislation give they give gave them uh, autonomy to decide and of course they're they're a very diverse group of businesses from all over the state uh, uh, educators uh, they just have to listen to what kids and what the employers want and and then it's it says in demand so it, we don't want to be spending money on kids that aren't going to have a job but if the job market stays anything like it is right now, that is not going to be an issue. So we're going to have, we'll get them employed uh, real fast. And I was at a national governor's conference on a kind of a workforce development. I was moderating the panel and one of the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture economists said from an internal return on investment, uh, Buster wants to go back to the barn. Sorry, Buster. Uh, 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 what we're doing is going to be the highest return for uh, what the state puts into it. And, of course, the kids will have put uh, uh, some resources into it. Quit. Uh, I told you he wants to go back to the barn. <laughs> uh, He's blaming me uh, for it, too. He's giving but, me the eye. But more importantly, uh, the businesses are going to have to say, if, if you want welders, they're going to have to provide the welding equipment. Healthcare is a good example. These hospitals, uh, they're going to need nurses, but uh, they're going to have to have their senior nurses there training other nurses to be nurses. So 
Uh, business is going to have skin in the game. These kids are going to have skin in the game. But we got a real robust community college system that I think will be very attuned to those because they want those kids placed and going to work right away. Why did you decide to run for a second term? What, why did I decide to run for senator? <laughs> no, why did you? <laughs> why did you decide to run for a second term? Oh, we we had lots to do. There was uh, there was no question about it. I mean, as you pointed out, we were pretty distracted during the first term of COVID, and you know, kids not in schools, businesses uh, being uh, challenged, healthcare being challenged. Uh, now we can implement. I mean, we recovered jobs faster than any state. Idaho was number one job producer after COVID, and it's con going to continue that way. So now what I got to have is skilled up uh, uh, workforce and launch in our higher education systems. We'll get that done. You got a lot done that was on your priority list in this first year of your second term. You've got three more legislative sessions left until 2026. What's going to be on your priority list? Well, you know, you've got to be responsive to what the economy does, what the job market does. Uh, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that launch gets fully subscribed. Uh, and and then we'll know more about, I, I can't imagine the construction industry is going to stay as robust as it is, but it could. Uh, and then, you know, if the construction industry slows down, how do we retrain electricians and plumbers and HVAC to do other jobs? Uh, that's going to be part of it. But I'm, you know, there's great potential at the lab. Obviously, the new Micron facility is going to... Uh, uh, oh, you don't think so? You think I was wrong? Buster the economist. <laughs> but, uh, uh, no, there's... Uh, there's lots going on, you know, and the other thing I want to see is the results of all our investments in literacy. I'm serious when I say I want all kids reading proficiently at the end of the third grade. And what do I have to do to inspire school districts uh, to get that done is going to be important. Third grade literacy was top of the priority list for Governor Otter, has been top of the priority list for you between COVID and other challenges, we haven't seen much movement on those percentage rates. Well, we, you know, as if you look down into the data, uh, the one thing we do know is what's working and what's not working. And some districts are making, you know, some, some districts have got 80, 90% proficient by the third grade. We need to take what's working in those districts and transfer it to other districts. And I do think behavioral health and mental health is going to be a, an issue because, uh, you know, these kids have challenges. We literally this morning had a presentation by one of our interns about, you know, the, the challenges of social media on these kids and how we handle that, how we help them cope. But uh, I think a little bit of counseling early yields great results. Uh, you let these kids' problems get kind of ahead of them. Uh, then, you know, you got substance abuse, you got all these other challenges. And people say, well, we didn't have all those counselors when I was in school. 
life is a lot more complicated now than it was when I was in school. It's co more complicated now than it was even 15 years it, ago. Yeah, or 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. Oh. Save me paying for a flat tire. <laughs> True. Uh, have you given much thought to running for a third term? No. I got uh, I got plenty of uh, runway to get things done uh, in the next uh, three years. And uh, but you know I've got, like I said, my my staff, uh, my administrators. Uh, you know we continue to work on. In fact, this morning we had a meeting on, uh, you know, kind of getting the right signals to our uh, administrators and our departments. Uh, we're going to continue to do that to kind of uh, sharpen the saw to perfect what we're doing uh, in in every agency. And I'm I'm pleased uh, uh, with what's going on. It's always a challenge, but uh, it was easy. Everybody be doing it. Have you ruled out ru running for a third no. term? You haven't ruled it out? No. What are the factors? <laughs> There's lots of them. There's lots of them. I, uh, but that's, I, I, I mean, literally, um, the, the one thing we are doing is we started doing it, and we, and I had another conversation about that today, is doing a five-year budget to where whatever we do today doesn't put us in an economic hole where we either have to cut services or raise taxes. Uh, so that's actually been one of my highest priorities is that uh, we we scale our spending uh, with revenue growth, plus probably we'll probably continue to do property tax relief and we might even, we'll probably even do some more income tax. Uh, Idaho's a tough state because we got all these states around us that don't have income taxes and so we, you know, we want to be competitive, but it doesn't seem to be stopping people from moving to Idaho. I wanted to ask about all of the growth that we've seen and the economic outlook and everything together. You know, the legislature only has so much control. You only have so much control. Overall, are you happy with the trajectory that the state is taking, not just economically, but culturally as well? Well, it's, I mean, it's changing. We have so many people moving here. Uh, it's it's going to continue to be a challenge. You know, we made a great investment in our parks this year, the biggest ever by far. Uh, but one of the things when I go and talk to rural Idaho is everybody leaves Boise and goes to Boise County or Hawaii County. What do I do about emergency services? Uh, you know, there we had capital for a day in Bruno, and one of the biggest hot issues was how do I, how do we pay for emergency services for all those city folks to come out and get in trouble recreating on the ground in our county? And I think we're going to, we, we actually need to, there's a study going on now about how do we pay for emergency services in rural Idaho? And we need to be cognizant that we all don't just say, you guys bear the cost of the great outdoors in Idaho and we will continue to be cognizant of that. Either that or you go and recreate, you're on your own. That's a choice you make. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think what we talked about is is emergency services a, a vital service and do we need to provide it and who pays for it? Uh, do the 
the taxpayers in Owyhee and Boise County have to pay for the emergency services from everybody from Boise and Nampa? Or does the state share part of that cost? Now, there's been a lot of concern lately about extremist rhetoric you know, between last summer and the Patriot Front stopping by Coeur d'Alene Pride, um, people making not so veiled threats against law enforcement pretty close to your house who are trying to serve civil papers and warrants. I, Do you think the state is doing enough to push back against that extremism? Well, A, we want everybody to feel safe in Idaho, but a lot of the issue to me are people that come here and they always talk about, we don't want to be Seattle or Portland or San Francisco. Well, we're not any of those. And I understand people being concerned about it, but we need to let let them see what the difference is. It's, it's not that the unsafe streets in those communities are in any way uh, a problem in Idaho and public safety is something that Again, we're focusing on here. So are you happy now that you're back at the barn? He doesn't want to go any further. <laughs> He's good. There we go. Yeah, just just one more question for me. You know, when you're, you've still got three years left in your second term. But we've talked a lot this year about Governor Bat's legacy. Uh, have you thought at all about what you want your legacy to be? All kids reading proficiently at the end of the third grade would be a great start. Um, you know, and I think that this, and this is akin to what uh, Governor Bat, you know, that we're fiscally responsible, that we don't overtax, we don't overregulate. We did an incredible amount of work in the first term on regulation. Uh, now we're <clears throat> continuing to modify that and make it better, but. I, I want Idaho to be a place in particular that an Idaho kid can get educated, whether it's career technical or traditional bachelor degree and start a business and provide for their family. That's and stay right here in Idaho. Play out in the great outdoors of Idaho and respectfully. So okay. anything else you wanted to add? I think that's All surrounded it. by cameras. Yep. No, I, I think <laughs> that's where I will D-Mike and D-Part. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Hey, thank you. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. 
by the Friends of Idaho Public Television, and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Hi, I'm Marcia Franklin, the producer and host of Dialogue. For more than 25 years, we've been bringing you conversations that matter. More than 150 of those conversations are with writers, and now you can take them with you wherever you go, while you're walking, around the house, or in the car. Just search for Dialogue with Marcia Franklin on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms, and remember to subscribe so that new shows download automatically. Enjoy.